Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets. Web Juan O'Savin back with us again. Uh, going to share some good intel drops. Uh, we're looking forward to anything he has to say. Juan, what's uh, what's the latest? What you got? <laughs> Where do we start, right? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, you think about it. How uh, how much of the stuff that's going on this second is stuff that we really have talked about for a very long time? Um, I remember, you know, everybody was saying that I didn't know I was talking about what we were were saying that we were going to have uh, Trump arrested. And I said, it's not just once, it's several times. And uh, even up to the J6 stuff and all like that. And there was plenty of people out there that said, no, it's never going to happen. You know, you're talking about, they're going to settle. They'll never proceed as a prosecution. And the reality is that, that the people involved here, um, besides almost being maniacal in their pursued all things Trump, um, they don't really have an option. They don't have anything left in the war chest but to try and block him from reaching uh, back to the presidency somehow. And uh, with that in mind, <laughs> um, that they're pulling every rabbit out of the hat they got. Uh, don't you see that too? I think your listeners all probably see the same thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's like the uh, the the Magador, you know. He's uh, the charge. We're in the we're in the charge right now, wearing out the 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 you know the Toro, and soon uh, we're gonna give him the the coup de gras. So it's, I think we're well, at that point. I I don't think you know. I think that when the story is told years from now, the image that will be. Um, the one that people remember of Trump is as the matador or the megador killing the deep state. That's why I like that uh, work that Jen did. And of course you've had it and we've, we've had so much fun with the jackets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I actually have the flag on my flagpole. It's out, it's out back. I know you can't see it, but uh, it's when you, when you watch this, it's not blowing right now, but I have the little thing you put in your car. You get the, t- you get the flag, you get the two little, yeah. Yeah, so I got the little car thing here so everybody at least can see that. But yeah, when the wind blows, it looks really cool. Well, over at uh, Jennifer's site, thejennifermack.com, you got to put the gen, the the in there, but thejennifermack.com, she has uh, like a deal with a couple of the car flags and then a regular three or five flag bolt play, flag full flag. And it's kind of fun. So she's got some kind of a special over there. But uh, I, I enjoy that because uh, mm-hmm. right now, I don't care what imagery you use yeah you know lots of people have their you know trump 2020 hats uh, plus the 2024 they've got you know trump flags i think right now this is a moment where you have to um pick your team and then hold it you know i i I, uh was talking with somebody a while back and he's wearing his uh, broncos uh, uh sweatshirt or something we were laughing about it and um, where teams are at like that. And he says, no, I've been, I've been a Bronco for like 30 years. He's got uh-huh. all the old stuff. Why? Cause it's your team. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, he's, you know, 
uh, thick or thin, positive or negative, it doesn't matter where the team's at. Uh, he that's his team, and so uh, a lot of us are that way. And there's a lot of stuff going on where you're just like, can we make it through this? Is it is this ever going to be over with? Has he got a prayer? Um, you know, he step he didn't have to run for president in the first place. He'd have been just fine. Uh, would have had a lot less life hassles. You think of where a guy's at at that age in his life. Mm -hmm. um, is he going to be wealthier because of this? Would the wealth make any difference? Is it worth the hassle? Um, is the family somehow going to make some kind of special gain because he goes for it and runs for the presidency and then stays there? To a lot of people, oh, yeah, well, you get the plane, you get the Air Force One. Is there a plane? pretty good all by itself was before he was president the one he has now is pretty good um you know is he gonna get a, a better golf game somewhere uh you think of how the day is tied up um you don't get just leisurely talk if you go out in the golf course and have a game every minute of the day he's with attorneys he's with candidates he's with uh people supporting not just his campaign but other people's campaigns um campaign uh, managers, uh, uh, legal people. And then you still got to cut some time out during the course of the day. Uh, Hey, Baron wants to hang out with you for an hour tonight, watch a game or do something. Um, there's, you know, yeah, it's really cool. It's great to be in the history books. You did something amazing. You got to be president all that. Would you trade? And I think most people, you know, if you really get that are very successful, uh, you really get right down to it. Would they trade where they're at today with Trump if they had had the opportunity to be what Trump's been over the last, you know, eight years, both as candidate, president, and now on the out within the public arena? Uh, would you really, at the end of your life, want to trade? the comfort you could have and the further success you could have without opposition really or um what uh he's had to go through if you knew what was ahead of you and by the way do you think trump didn't know before he ever ran what kind of opposition he was going to come up against and how it was going to go uh you know i was talking with roseanne barr earlier today and uh jack uh, presidic uh Former stops to retired. Uh, he posted the interview or a little clip out of it of, of Roseanne and uh, Donald Trump. And then you had uh, what's his name? The uh, oh, you know, did one of his little videos about GM and all that at the time. I can't think of his name now, but a, an interview is like 25 years old. And, um, you know, uh, Roseanne he was having a great time. He was with other influencers and at, at the critical moment, Roseanne, you know, there's all this talk of, you know, a communist kind of an ideal perspective on how America should work as business and, and we're, you know, kind of a Russian thing. And Roseanne turns to Trump and she says, are you going to let this happen, Donald? Are you going to let the communists take over America and run America? And it was a serious question. And I think we know his answer. He turned around and said, uh, you know, 
know by his actions. He did it at a, at a critical moment where the country is. Yeah. All of that said, I think all along that he knew the kind of opposition he was going to run up into, even to, you know, uh, what, where we're at right now with the uh, deep state unleashing the justice system on him. You can't get to justice in the Justice Department today, the way it's set up. With all that in mind, he's in this bullfight, the Megador, the Matador, and they keep charging him and charging him and charging him. You know that Matador, Megador um, image uh, print that you have on the jackets and the flags like that? That's over a year old. Mm. And the presentations that I did that were the basis for Jennifer making that artwork uh, come from almost a year and a quarter ago mm. where I talked about that. So that's not new, but it's taken on a life all of its own. You can't go to a Trump rally and not see people wearing their jackets. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all over the place. So the, uh, the, the question, the, the question begs that what, how can you see that far into the future? Is there some kind of gaming that's going on that, you know, you're, you're in the mix and there's talk going on. I, obviously you talk to very high level people and that's, that's fantastic. Cause we get, you leak a little bit of that information to us so we can, you know, join in on this, this great, uh, takedown that's happening. But what, what was it that came? Did did you have the foresight? Do you see this coming just from all the stuff that you've been uh, involved in over the years? Well, and you know from your where you're at and the proximity to some of the people you rub shoulders with that that's not just um, idle talk or um, bullshit. I do run in those circles. Absolutely. And uh, so it's not, you know, on, on several levels. Um, and you know, Trump himself during his presidency, uh, and since he has always seen himself going into the war with the deep state. Um, if I maybe added something to it, all I was trying to do was give a picture, um, in the, in the, in the esoteric world, the hidden clubs and things like that the uh, occult even they uh, uh, if you go to the greater and lesser keys of Solomon and all of the uh, demons that can be unlocked or sealed uh, and their actions one of the most important aspects of that is the symbology certain symbology um, opens and communicates messages, uh, unseals things. Uh, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, this very <clears throat> um, uh, ultimately evil uh, world, they use imagery to put pictures in your mind and to brand your thoughts in a way that almost forces, if it, if it were possible, you to think in a certain way that suits their purposes. Um, and uh, to break that, to reverse that, sometimes you need counter images 
uh, a picture says a thousand words. And so you need counter images that speak volumes in just a very short thing. So for example, you can say Trump 2020 or 2024 um, with a flag or a shirt or a hat. It defines where you're at and the campaign ahead and things like that. It's um, to me, it's almost like uh, just a black and white. It doesn't necessarily have the richness or the depth. And so it doesn't trigger as many things in your mind or the recipient's mind because you're trying to make a statement to the people around you. Um, Trump 2024 versus Trump um, taking on the role of a matador in life and death combat, uh, alone on the field of play, uh, uh, baiting in and taunting the bull to cause it to wear out, wear down. Because the reason the bull doesn't kill, or the, the matador doesn't kill the bull instantly when he gets in the ring is because when the bull comes in, his head is high and he's prancing around, he's full of energy. Um, and it takes time to wear the bull down to the point where he's somewhat spent. And as he gets further, further into the third round, and I've done long presentations on this, I don't repeat stuff too much for other people. Um, uh, there's a, an extra nice one that I like presentation. I think I did it with you. And then there's one over at Elijah's streams that I go into more detail. But at the end of the day, the third round is where your the matador and the bull are in soul combat. And the matador has to keep baiting the bull to keep charging me, keep charging me, keep charging me. As he does, because bulls aren't marathon runners. Uh, they have bursts of energy, but they just can't maintain long-term. They're very powerful. But all that tonnage, all that musculature, um, it, it burns it up very quickly. And so in the third round, as the bull gets more and more tired, he becomes far more dangerous to the matador and the reason is is because his head gets down lower and lower, and you'll see the bull where there's um, dust. He's breathing in the dust and blowing it out and, and uh, breathing very deep, heavy breaths because he's exhausted. Um, and I'm not... Look, a, a bullfight is a very gruesome, messy... Um, not something we want to promote in the world today, in my opinion, but it is... Uh, who wants to be in a fight with the devil himself anyway. It's, 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 there's symbology here. The bull, as his head gets lower, he's tipping his horns, his head back and forth more so, and he's trying to grab, instead of running down the matador, he's trying to catch and hook him with his horns and throw him. And uh, if he gets the matador, it's usually in the legs. And the way that they're doing it, in that thigh area, that's where their head ends up having the horns end up being, they will quite frequently break a femoral artery and they can bleed out in 30 seconds a minute. And so matadors dying um, on the field is not at all uncommon or being gored and then dying a short time later or being injured for life is not at all uncommon. So here's Trump in the field of play going for it for everything that's worth 
and taunting the bull to keep charging, the head gets down lower to the more dangerous spot. But as the head gets lower, the shoulders widen out. The kill shot to get the bull, you can't go through the breastplate. Too much bone and rib and everything else gets to the heart. You'll injure it, but you won't kill it. Uh, you can't really get in through the side uh, and get an accurate, accurate shot. Between the shoulder blades in the upper back, center of the back, uh, is a direct shot to the heart. Without everything else in between, it's not a wounding shot. It's the, it's a kill shot. So as the matador sees that the bull has finally reached some point of exhaustion where its head is way down, and you have to be very close to get the sword in exactly the right spot and not have it deflect off a shoulder blade or something like that, you've got a sweet spot of just a few inches, three, four inches of a moving target of a ton of sweeping past you and you have to be within range to get that in and then a lot of times you'll see the matador jump up in the air to get all the weight on that sword and jam it all the way to the heart if you don't get all the way to the heart it's not a kill shot now you got one pissed off bull and you have no defense for the sword with you so you got to make you got to make it count and you can't do it early and you can't um you know uh miss your mark uh trump has successfully Stayed in the ring long enough. The bull's down to its last few hits, uh, runs, charges. Um, and this is for all it's worth. The thing about the J6 is that it allows the president's legal team to do a couple of things. I was talking uh, last night and this morning with uh, people there in the camp. And uh, if it hasn't happened already, it'll happen shortly. They'll file for a change of venue uh, to... Uh, West Virginia. I don't think I'm talking out of, out of um, school here. I think it may have been announced uh, just a short while ago. Oh, wow. If it hasn't been announced, it will certainly. But um, the reason that they want to switch is because you can't get, you know, this court in D.C. is completely out of their minds, really. And we see that with the J6 defendants. Um, Trennis Evans, uh, a very good friend who is a J6 defendant, um, who's been helping a tremendous amount on the legal stuff, including talking with attorneys inside the Trump camp pretty regularly. He's advocated for at least six months um, hard, and he was talking about it prior to that, but very hard. You've got to allow these J6 defendants to get their cases, uh, change a venue to get out of the D.C. courts. Uh, <clears throat> we know that uh, on numerous counts, um, the D.C. courts are biased, and a D.C. jury is heavily biased. You know, like 96% of D.C. Uh, voters vote Democrat all the time because they're government employees, and, and they have a particular bent of protecting things because they're insiders uh, in the deep state, which means um, government that, that outlasts a single administration. Democrat, Republican, their employees in, their, in the machine, they tend to feel they do better with the Democrat side. So... With that in mind, you have a bias uh, potential jury pool. And um, so moving it to a relatively more neutral jury pool is what you have to do. And that's what President Trump, is, is uh, his legal team, is going to try and do. Yeah, you're, you're right. It is actually in the press. I just looked it up. It's uh, It's been advertised. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so with that in mind... Mm -hmm. Um, 
the the court is not going to be very excited about wanting to allow that change of venue. There's a couple of things that um, uh, have already been said in the press uh, from the prosecutorial side. They want uh, Trump to be incarcerated, if at all possible. Uh, that could just mean house arrest somewhere. More likely means just that uh, with security issues and all that. They just don't want him to be able to go speak at rallies and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and the legal logic is with what he's charged with, essentially leading a attempted coup or overthrow of the elected incoming government of the United States, that he's a threat by rabble-rousing out throughout the country to get people to continue this effort to overthrow the legitimate elected government of the United States, uh, a la the Biden administration, et cetera. Therefore, he should be silenced and not able to talk to the public where he is a threat uh, to, you know, orchestrate some further insurrection or something like that. The uh, second thing is that um, if he's not able to be at the rallies and stuff like that, uh, a gag order um, where he can't talk to the public about any of these things, um, can't go on, you know, media and stuff like that. That happens, you know, fairly frequently with defendants in cases. It's not, you know, unheard of. Um, it's something like this that may you know, involve matters of national security. If uh, there was some attempt to rabble rouse or something, that could be the logic could come in there and the judge might get, you know, persuaded to do just that. So uh, the question is, uh, you know, when he is arraigned, will they in fact succeed, not just try, but succeed in getting him uh, unable to talk or do whatever? I think the American public come off the rails uh, over that, but they might get it. Um, so we'll just have to see. Because remember, part of the crux of this whole thing, Trump said to the American public that we should show up and make uh, you know, our feelings known on January 6th uh, concerning Congress voting to certify the election. On the date, uh, January 6th, uh, Ted Cruz came in and said, uh, hey, we need to do a pause here uh, and do an investigation, you know, 10-day investigation. He had, a, I think, 183 senators and House members that um, agreed with him. And they ignored that and went ahead and did the vote anyway um, to certify the election outcome and to say that Biden won without any investigation. And that's, by the way, what the Brunson case is all about, yeah. that that was a legitimate, lawful request and should have been honored. Yeah. And, well, that, that's uh, what the false flag in J6, that, that was to prevent that from going through. So then right. uh, when it, they evacuated everybody, evacuated everybody and when they came back they're like we're definitely voting for it now we're Biden's in so that was I think that was a planned event oh totally well in fact we know that Nancy Pelosi had four different plans that were presented uh within the team's round her we've actually got the zoom call communications I believe wow um showing those communications people tied into the Democrat party for four different options all the way back in August and September of 2020 before the election mm. that 
uh, depending on the outcome, whether Biden won or lost or Trump won and lost or lost and what the vote looked like, what they would do coming up in January 6th, because that was a known date. That wasn't some arbitrary date. It was known well in advance that that's when the election gets certified. Mm-hmm. So uh, everybody knew that was a key date. So when Trump says, you know, uh, I hope the American people you will know, show up and, uh, you know, be counted president. He didn't say come riot, do anything like that. He just said, you know, show up and whatever. Well, you had the largest um, uh, group of Americans ever on record show up in D.C. on that date. Uh, low side estimates are a million, high side two million. Yeah. And I, I, I've been to a lot of rallies here in D.C. Over, over, over the years, and that was quite... It, it was un- unbelievably impressive, all the people mm-hmm. up. And, and all peaceful, except for that little little crowd of people that seemed to show up and, and cause problems. So, yeah. It's- well, and by the way, see, that's part of where Trump's legal team is going to get to do something that thus far hasn't really happened correctly. Um, Trump, uh, his team is going to be able to subpoena records and he's also going to be able to um to depositions Mm -hmm. to show who the rioters were whether they were people that were truly um people that had been rabble roused by him or if they were you know there on behalf of somebody else uh employees of three-letter agencies and things like that you know who is who is ray epps um and, and you know uh in fact by the way there's a there was a restaurant just off the side of where the podium was, where uh, a number of the speakers spoke on January fifth, yeah, day before the the J six rally and all that. Yeah, that was that was very. Uh, nice. And I think it was seven or eight, nine o'clock somewhere in there. And Trina Sevens uh, is is the source that can give you the exact information. But a person, and I'm saying this for your listeners, maybe in in your listenership, somebody knows a person or is themselves one of the ones that got a little bit of video. There was a number of people present at this restaurant. A person that we believe to have been Ray Epps came into the restaurant and was trying to rabble rouse mm-hmm. and had a, a few other people with him the night before uh, trying to, you know, amp people up uh, concerning this insurrection on the following date. And uh, Trennis got up and shouted the guy down and told him that nobody's here to overthrow the government and nobody's here to uh, have a coup and you're not welcome here. So, you know, essentially, uh, Budinsky, Outsky, we don't care for your crap. It just sounded militia, um, off-center. And the people in the restaurant, which there was uh, several dozen present, uh, applauded and many of them stood up for what Trenna said. Now, this is a guy that was convicted as a J6, um, you know, uh, insurrectionist and threat to the American government and all that. Uh, if anybody has that video, uh, that would certainly be of interest to uh, Trennis and uh, myself and others because it would reinforce uh, the, the fact that uh, these people had an agenda. And it was different than the broader public that was present. And uh, the reason I mentioned Ray Epps is because he wasn't just another person present. He was 
uh, in more of a uh, director orchestrator position, it would appear, by his actions throughout the day. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of the younger persons in the crowd were looking to him for direction and coordination as the events yeah. uh, proceeded through the day. And there's others similar. Uh, we show some of those people in the movie. Uh, um, oh, wow. Yes. Uh, yeah, that one that you did, that was that was an outstanding movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can't, seen, I can't talking about all that. Yeah. And had had really good uh, video of the actual, uh, you know, police waving people in and then the, the, the pushback and so forth. It, was, it wasn't a big deal. Now, when, when yeah. I was leaving, I, I'd met a bunch of people because I'd kind of telegraphed that I was going to be there. So I ran into a lot of listeners. So I was talking to a lot of people, you know, after basically Trump said everybody go home. So pretty much everybody was leaving. But there's still like hundreds of thousands of people, even though the, there was a massive flow leaving, there were still tons of people there. So I was I was kind of like probably on the on the somewhat of the tail end of that. And I'm coming out. And it's starting to get a little, uh, not dark yet, but it's, you know, the lowering light. And there was a group of BLM guys that were trying to rebel rouse. And uh, I stopped and a bunch of other people stopped. And we, we kind of moved in to see what, what's going on here. What are you guys trying to do? And there was enough of us, I believe, that, that came in that kind of like, you know, these guys felt like, okay, this is not going to work out for us. Uh, this is not a pushover crowd. So they, they dispersed. But yeah, there was definitely some attempts, I believe, you know, after uh, J6 uh, or after the uh, the initial, uh, you know, push on the Capitol. Uh, afterwards, there were some attempts at it as well. Well, and, and one of the things I, I don't think I've ever spoken of it that I recall, but I had uh, rooms over at the Trump and then I had a room uh, at another hotel where a lot of the FBI personnel um, had their rooms. And they had uh, security for it and like that. And so I was kind of in the mix of a number of the people that included those people that I would say were on somebody else's payroll pretending to be Trump people. Mm -hmm. And some of the uh, bizarre things that I saw in the days beforehand and afterwards. Now, there's a reason why I did what I did having that there as an offsite location and with uh, other groups present um and uh so i um there's no question in my mind that and i've, I've made this known in the right places uh that looking at the registry and who is paying for the rooms there um and even you know the video which should have been sequestered at the time and i think actually was showing who's who coming and going um, would reveal a lot about the relationships of some of these people on that date. And I remember coming back uh, over there after everything, um, you know, in the early evening <clears throat> to uh, pick up some stuff. And he had a number of the people there that had both the orange uh, clothing and vests and things like that, hats, which they were using to show who's who in which zoo and a couple mm. of the pink, which were the, the media that were also in on that, that, uh, scam. Wow. And, uh, and then hanging with other three letter agency people that were present, um, and, and going in and be escorted to uh, rooms in the hotel. 
So, so I, I want everybody to know this. This is the thing. But Juan doesn't show his face. I show my face. I used to not show my face for most of my career. If you show your face, you don't get to play. Juan doesn't show his face, so he still plays the game. He plays both sides for us. So I know a lot of people still don't understand that, but I just want to point that out. I'm no longer when in the I game. Will never be back in the game because I've shown my face. So that's that's why some people. <laughs> Some people do this and some people don't. Well, and, and some of the places that uh, you and I have both worked over the years, yeah. um, some of the players are not, um, they have long memories. So uh, that can be an issue too. So, um, but you know, that's, again, um, who was hiring these people to be there and were their actions to... Um, infiltrate bad guys or were they there to um, uh, amp things up? Did they have a different agenda? It's one thing if you have uh, government agents that are in there to pretend that they're bad guys and then find out what's really going on. Yeah. It's another thing when they're there to, uh, as insurrectionists, uh, in, in, inciting people to do crimes or rope them into doing crimes. A good example is my buddy Bill Cooper. Yeah, Bill Cooper had his Hour of Time radio show. Um, he was, you know, bringing things out and doing the public appearances, um, asking questions in the right places, making statements about deep state, etc. So at a certain point uh, during the uh, '90s, uh, he was um, uh, staying with people kind of hiding out that he thought were other, um, you know, constitutionalists. Uh, we'd probably call them today militia people or something, but that wasn't probably fully accurate uh, at their farm. And we got word uh, over in Arkansas about something that was going on. And so I, I went over and I talked to Bill and I said, you know, the, the people that you're with here are on the FBI's payroll. And uh, you need to get the hell out of here and find another place to be and do it without drawing a lot of attention or you know sharing that. I'm just letting you know, figure it out. And he says, interesting, you should say that. Uh, they had a guy here the other day that they were trying to get me to kiss up to. And I know they were up to no good. He was going out to a, um, a militia group, uh, you know, neo-Nazis really out in Arkansas and hanging with them. Mm. And that's where they were headed. And they wanted me to kind of join up and help and assist. And, and, and one is my expertise on a couple of things. And he kind of blew it off. When I talked to him later, he said, you know who that was? That was the guy that blew up Oklahoma city. That was McVeigh. They brought to him. He was in the, in the, in tow with federal agents trying to rope uh, Bill Cooper into something they were doing. Now, there's other people. Cody, he's come out and said that uh, he was offered a significant amount of money to uh, be part of blowing up the Murrah building. And the other part of that whole thing related to Whitewater and everything else was that all the records um, were um, uh, called for uh, by the uh, Senate Baking Oversight Committee that was looking at the 
money laundering, the drug trade, the CIA's black uh, budget money that was being laundered through uh, uh, different firms in Arkansas and the Rose Law Firm and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. So all the original documents uh, that you use to testify, if you're a federal, you know, if you're a prosecutor, or a, a, you know, say a detective or an IRS agent or FBI or whatever, you have your original notes, you need those to testify to anything that you've generated paperwork-wise. Mm -hmm. uh, they were required to get all of their original notes, everything, to, uh, you know, essentially the people collecting it for uh, the Senate. And then that uh, was going to be taken to Washington, D.C. for their testimony before the Senate about the uh, mischief going on in Arkansas. Um, I left Arkansas and was actually uh, taking a break for uh, a little bit and was uh, cruising off Hawaii. Uh, came up for coffee and had uh, people that are, you know, every person in this audience would know the name of. Probably listened too many times. I'm sitting up there having my morning coffee uh, and over the TV, we're starting seeing the first reports and, and scenes of the uh, uh, blast at the Murrah building. Wow. And literally just days before, I'd been having conversations. Those records went where? Why would they send them there? They're supposed to be going to D.C. Yeah, well, they just have room there, and they don't have room ready in D.C. yet. They don't have room in D.C. to put records somewhere. Crap, they got all of the, you know, I'll go watch an Indiana Jones movie. They got plenty of room to file, file stuff someplace. Why oh, yeah. Lots, lots of underground there? stuff, yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't make sense. Well, once the building blew up, we knew what it made sense. And I got uh, uh, General Parton on the uh, blower there, and we talked. And, uh, you know, he says, yeah, you know, I don't see how something from truck, uh, um, an air gap allows for um, a blast like that. It's like having a pillow between somebody punching you and, and hitting something. Uh, air is not a good uh, mechanism to transfer energy. Right. And then the uh, fertilizer bomb is a slow rate of detonation, has a slow right. frame, frame, flame front. Mm -hmm. So it's not a high concussive force. The only way that could have gone down the way it was is if you had um, materials on the uh, pillars inside the building. And of course, we have lots Cutting, of cutting charges, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you need a debt cord or something like that. So the long and short of it is it, it could never, ever, ever have happened the way that it was purported to. It was a plan to uh, obscure the records and all that. And of course, then nothing ever went forward substantially with um, uh, Whitewater. And so from that point forward, the country was distracted. All the other things happened the way they did. The reason I mentioned that is because somebody tried to rope Milk, Cooper, and Capote into something, and the people involved were employ in the employ of the federal government. Mm. They knew what was going to happen. They had a plan to obscure. So you look at the current events right now, the deep state players are in trying to take Trump out. That's right. why in the imagery of uh, Trump as the uh, matador, megador, uh, the bull has that deep state brand on the backside of it because that's who's coming after Trump. That's what this is all about. Yeah. And if Trump is successful in what I believe has been the plan for years and years and years, not just by Trump, but by the ones 
that invited Trump to run. That's a really key, very important thing to think about. Mm. There is a contingent of true Americans who understand the magnitude of the threat from the inside out that believed that we could take on the deep state, that we could bait them, we could get into the ring with them and have it out, have the fight. Only one of us is coming out alive. Yeah. And, and I, I like the way you put that together. You've, you've, you've given me pieces and you're giving the audience pieces of the Oklahoma bombing for a bit, for well over a year now. And, uh, I I'm, I'm starting to see the bigger picture now. So that's, that's incredible. So, what, what we started to talk, what you started to talk about with, uh, with the FBI agents. So, you know, I, I'm the, I was the same way, uh, in the intelligence community. I knew that I had my little piece of the pie and I was, I, I was focused on that. And I knew these guys over here were doing that. And I knew these guys over here were doing that and they do their thing. We do our thing, but you know, they're all, we're all working together, but occasionally, like you just alluded to, you see some questionable stuff where someone seems to be working for you, but they're not, or someone's acting like they're not working for you, but they are. So you, it's like a, a little fog that happens occasionally. And, th and that's by design sometimes. And sometimes because there's, there's truly like your, your, the, the jacket says there's a swamp out there and you start to realize that. And like Trump, you know, he was basically, you know, asked requisition, whatever, to come in and help expose and destroy that swamp and that's where we are that's where we're really at right now well think about this who else can you think of that's not coming from inside the swamp somehow would have been able to um come in hold the line not be beholden to anybody not need their money stay the course, not deviate, and not, you know, whine or whimper in this whole thing, but, uh, you know, straighten out the back and be willing to stay with the fight and go the distance, whatever the outcome, uh, live or die. Man. I don't really know of any businessmen or politicians even that would be capable of what's, what you see going on here on lots and lots of different levels. And I think the only way you can really say it is that Trump, you know, you can say it was groomed by men or groomed by God himself. He is there serving a very particular role. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get all teary eyed, like, you know, uh, he's, you know, somehow, you know, God's greatest angel to America. He is a man in a particular role. He happens to be the visible side of something much bigger. Yeah. Uh, trying to get to justice here in America, and he's playing his part, uh, you know, very proficiently. Um, and he hasn't uh, he hasn't uh, uh, wavered uh, before. You know, before he called the American people to come to D.C. to be present during that January sixth vote and make their presence known. Um, you know, he himself answered a call um you know uh, he was invited to run and he accepted and people fell behind him and helped him through that he managed the presidency and did a lot of important things the american people answered the call they showed up on, on january 6th 
but not to overthrow the elected government to make sure that Congress knew that they were present and how they felt. Mm-hmm. And they and in the largest you know thing ever, you know, I I did the movie, you know that uh, you know the the called movie was released the next day on January seventh. Um, and uh, that's that's what the jacket is here. It's kind of fun, you know. I, I like I like the race cars and all the sports teams and all that. So the called jacket is uh, is kind of got all the colors yeah. that uh, are just kind of fun, as far as I'm concerned. But that's that's a very uh, we all answered the call, mm-hmm. and I think that's even even that imagery, just like the Matador Megador jacket. All those people that showed up, they they need a nod for having, you know, been president accounted for. The reason that the prosecutions of the people uh, that showed up was so important because they needed a lot of people to be convicted and others to be so threatened and intimidated that they accepted a plea deal uh, admitting guilt so that they have numbers to then show the court the, the magnitude of the threat that Donald Trump is to the security and peace of America because people did this because Trump told them to show up and to overthrow the government to, to you know, occupy the uh, congressional building and to stop, you know, the vote and everything else, which is complete un- completely untrue. But that's the the narrative that they're trying to promote. Right. And uh, they've been successful. The, the D.C. courts are involved in an operation to twist history. And uh, all of those people that are there, they're being maligned. That's why... You know the call was so important. The the part, by the way, that that they screwed up on. Their estimates were that somewhere between a quarter and a half a million people were going to show up, uh, based on prior uh, demonstrations in D.C. They expected a very large crowd. But remember, this is the dead of winter. It's cold out there. Do you remember how cold it was? night before the next day everybody's out there well the day before it was like beautiful and then that day it was like wicked cold it's like where did that cold come from and then the phones wouldn't work so there was definitely some uh some hanky panky going on well and it was trying to rain a little bit the night before and Mm. we had some video in there of that but you know i mean at the end of the day um american people showed up in droves didn't care about the weather and then it wasn't a riotous crowd no. If you if you watch the movie The Call, um, you see the demeanor of the people. They were there in prayer. I remember yep. uh, near the Capitol, there was the gal that had her speaker system and big, huge, high speakers yep. and amp system, and she's praying the Lord's Prayer was for everyone coming through. It was just beautiful. Um, it was a very, you know, people had their patriotic dress on and things like that. Their flags on it. They weren't there to riot. They had their kids there. Uh, I talked with a couple of people that had come that they wanted their kids to be present to see history and to see how it worked. And so it was a very, um, you know, the demeanor of the crowd was very um, uh, peaceful and prayerful. You know, I think there would have been, I think there would have been probably another two or three million more people there, but there there was, they were already leaking out that there was going to be issues. They were yes. going to do something. So people were, you know, hesitant, I think, for that. Now, I just did an yeah, interview with a... There was going to be a bomb or some stupid thing or... or exactly. Yeah. I just did an interview with a Canadian pastor, Arthur Palowski, and he was at the um, 
Uh, he's the guy that said, Nazis get out of my church. No, you might have seen that. But he was Here's at the, guy, the, yes. uh, the Canadian uh, convoy uh, that went to Ottawa. He prayed there. They sang the national anthem of, of Canada. And now he's facing 10 years in prison for that. So, uh, you know, this is not just in America. It's happening in Canada as well. Now, they even offered him, they told him, he, he said this on my show, they offered him $2 million to, like, walk away from pushing back on them, and they would give him $250,000 a year in income, uh, and, and all the charges would get dropped. So they, he, he stayed he stayed in course. He wasn't intimidated at all by these guys. You know, Kerry Lake, we were talking the other day, we both mm. did uh, some appearances out in Arkansas, up in Idaho. Excellent. And uh, she's a member of our coalition of candidates. And uh, Carrie spoke to the crowd out there in Arkansas about the fact that she was offered a significant amount of money and a very high-profile uh, position wow. to not run for any office in 2024. No kidding! Wow. Um, by a person she, she's got a good. Know. She's got a very. She was on Steve Bannon uh, just a day or two ago, and she's she's saying that they didn't believe that they would keep pushing the way that uh, they're doing in the court cases and stuff like that. They're exposing mm -hmm. massive voter fraud, and you know, ultimately, what I what I think is we we have to drain the swamp, and the swamp creatures have got to go because they're just going to keep doing this. Uh, we thought we were clever there in uh, Arizona. We we told everybody, vote the day of, don't send in the mail-in ballots, and then they screwed up the, the machines there in Maricopa County. And so they're exposing that, but still, you know, Carrie Lake's not there as a governor. Everyone knew that she was going to be, and then they, they took it away. Same with Trump, you know. So they're going to keep doing this until we drain the swamp and take down the swamp creatures and, and take our country back. And I think Trump just well, let me, that, let me add too. this. Mm -hmm. uh, listen. Do you know that in the whole country, <laughs> Arizona has actually a year and a half after a race where a governor was declared the winner about 100 years ago. Wow. The evidence showed corruption in the vote. Mm. They removed the sitting governor, reversed actions that he had done in the meantime, and seated the other person as governor in Arizona. Wow. Arizona had a history of flipping an election long after it happened in the governor's office. I, I don't know how I see it, and but I see her, I see her there at the governorship. Uh, so I hope, yep. I hope it does come true, man. That's, that's, that'd be great. Well, you know, by the way, um, uh, there's, there's stuff happening in the vote stuff all around the country. You know, we have our, mm. Uh, weekly um, conference call amongst all of our people within the coalition mm. um, on mul multiple issues. And, and uh, this last week we had uh, one of the experts that was testifying in uh, Detroit on some of the vote stuff just last week. Uh, 12 to 20% of the uh, mail-in vote ballot was uh, corrupted in the last election. Mm, uh, awesome. yeah. excuse me in the 2020 election mm -hmm. and they've got amazing data establishing that. now now the other thing um is uh what's going on in uh, tennessee um it is now official 
it's not in dispute. Homeland Security is in agreement. Uh, state officials in Tennessee are in agreement. Uh, vote uh, people within Tennessee are in agreement that in several counties in Tennessee, the Dominion vote machines had a uh, tabulation error where they didn't record votes correctly. And the error was of between 5 and 20%, uh, depending on, on stuff that happened. They've gone through and looked at the machines. Dominion agreed that the machines were not functioning properly in 2020. So they came up with a patch. They said, we don't know what caused the calculation tabulation error, which is a lie. Uh, but we've come up with a fix. So they fixed the machines in those counties where there was a complaint, which uh, CISA, out of Homeland Security, Cyber uh, Intelligence, or Cybersecurity Division, um, uh, had determined that there was a problem. So they have a fix. Now think about this if you're anywhere in the computer uh, digital world. They don't know what caused the miscalculation, but they've come up with a fix to fix the problem. Well, if you don't know what the original problem is, how do you know precisely how to fix it? it, it it's just, it can't possibly be. Right. They know exactly what the issue is. But this is, it's far worse than that. Um, when they came up with a patch, did they contact all the other counties who were also using Dominion equipment? No. Did they offer them a patch and tell them, hey, we've located a problem in these other counties and you guys uh, should check your equipment. And by the way, here's the patch to fix it. No. So you had a 2022 election with uh, the same problems still present, unaddressed. And then beyond that, this was a machine problem. Did they contact all the other Dominion using counties? And remember, the machines, it's county by county that these systems are chosen and used. It's not a state decision. It's not a federal decision. Uh, county by county election officials decide what equipment to use in their county vote. So did they contact these other counties across the country that um, may or most likely have the same problem? Nope. It's called the Tennessee uh, error. So it's widely known. It's still present. And they're just going to let the machines go to expiration, uh, be retired out. They're not going to go in and fix them like that. Uh, they're going to keep them just the way they are for 2024. Uh, it's a fraud on the voters. It's, uh, it's um, you know, not protecting the voters, uh, disenfranchising the voters. Uh, so that their vote can be negated doesn't count. That's 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 wrong. It's un-American. Uh, it's a civil rights issue. You have the right to place a vote with the expectation that is going to be counted accurately, and your vote is going to matter. And if somebody's able to come in and negate your vote, then your right to choose the people that run your government is being negated. That's your civil right. It's a voting right, and it can't be um, pilfered away, stolen away, uh, negotiated away. You have a right to have your vote count and have the confidence that your vote was counted accurately. So um, how are we going to resolve this issue going back to the Tennessee error? And that's just one 
of numerous things that we found. The O'Carry Lake situation, uh, uh, you know, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of votes on paper that uh, is not official election uh, vote paper um, that were printed, um, you know, very bizarrely. We have all sorts of angles there. Why hasn't there been something done in the courts? Because the courts being captured are being very careful not to allow the various players to actually get to a point of uh, getting to present their evidence uh, coherently, conclusively in court. Um, you know, we had uh, in Kerry's case, they showed that the uh, people that were, you know, doing signature verification had, you know, I think it was less than a second to verify a signature on all these ballots as they were going through. You know, you have to compare the signature from this one to this one. You got to look back and forth. Done right. In a, in a super fast world, it might be 30 seconds to pull up the ballot, look at it, <laughs> compare signatures, punch in yes or no, it, it qualifies. Yet people, you know, writing in Mickey Mouse, putting an X, putting a check mark, and they were all signature verified. It's, it's complete bullshit. Thousands and thousands and wow. thousands. So, um, and it's not just the governor's race, even closer, only 4,000 votes. Governor's race, I think it was 17,000 votes. The um, um, uh, Secretary of State, mm -hmm. like 4,000 votes. Yeah. And we got so much stuff there. We might overturn the Secretary of State's race before we overturn the governor's race. Oh, wow. And the Secretary of State was running uh, Katie Hobbs. She's the one that became the governor during this mm -hmm. vote. And she was the one managing the vote that she got to become governor in. It's, yeah. it's quite bizarre. Well, I, I got this guy that, that comes on, um, Sean Taylor, and he he basically has done the research down there. And Maricopa County is, the you know, it's a hotbed of uh, uh, trafficking, you know, human, child, drug, and all that kind of stuff. So they take that money, they launder it, and they use it for their political, uh, you know, ambitions. So uh, the to take out take down that system you're going to get some very very uh corrupt uh illegal illicit you know organization and a lot of people don't have the cojones to do that Kerry lake obviously has a really good team and they're pushing back on these people but most people don't want to raise their head and, and cause a cause a fuss because they know that you know they could be taken out hello this is michael jaco if you want to learn more on how to unleash your own intuition Go to michaelkjaco.com, unleashingintuition.com, where you can find my courses on how to become the master of your own reality. Well, let me just say this. Um, in fact, I was talking with uh, um, different people that are running for governor around the country over the last day or two that uh, are uh, members of our coalition. Mm. And... Um, uh, I think the consensus at this point, and in fact, uh, my chief of staff has been working on this based on those conversations. I think the consensus at this point is that um, the real campaign, the core of the campaigns, and I don't care putting this out there, it's going to be there soon enough and they're not, you know, it is what it is. But the core of the campaigns will be, how do we get to... Um, election integrity. Um, uh, Carrie Lake sent out a 
thing yesterday saying that all Republican candidates for president should close ranks with President Trump and stop their campaigns completely yeah. at this moment in time and uh, support Trump on his legal defense. Um, because what's happened, this is the banana republic. Mm -hmm. uh, the Justice Department has been uh, commandeered, hijacked to attack uh, Biden's political opponent from the Republican side and, uh, you know, literally concoct and railroad him with charges with the intent to throw the campaign coming into 2024. And that that cannot be allowed to happen. That's banana republic stuff. That's uh, bizarre. And, and the reality is all of those other Republican candidates, um, if they can do it for you, they can do it to you. Um, you know, I, I saw the tweet by Pence that uh, anybody who, you know, will violate the Constitution should never be allowed that much power to be president of the United States, as though Trump somehow violated the Constitution um, in his actions between election 2020 on November 3rd and uh, uh, January 20th when the reins of power were handed over to Biden for Congress's action or the presidency. Uh, Trump, you know, he had the opportunity to sign the Insurrection Act. That's what uh, Pat Byrne and uh, Joe and, and Mike Flynn Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani, uh, and others were in the room about there at the White House on uh, yeah, it December. It sounds uh, like they're trying to indict them because there's like six other people that are, looks like they might get indicted too. So there's discussion that maybe, you know, they might get indicted as well. Yeah. Well, okay, let me just say this. If they're that dense to indict Pat Byrne, they're out of their minds. Pat Byrne has one heck of a story to tell, and he's told it behind the scenes under oath to various intelligence uh, committees mm. in uh, House and Senate. And, um, you know, he's uh, he's spoken about much of it to the public mm. um, in various of stuff, but there's stuff that he still hasn't said publicly that's very, very disturbing. And I expect that uh, at some point in here, they open the door, he'll put the rest of it out for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, you can hit him with a energy weapon or anything you want. He's already got enough stuff in enough places that it's not going to be not told. Um, and by the way, uh, Pat and I disagree on several things, mm -hmm. uh, but we have uh, shouldered up to do quite a few things together. Uh, Pat, when this is all said and done, um, America has been extremely well served by his actions as a patriot. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to Pat. He's one of my heroes. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you can't take away from him the beautiful things that he's done for America. And by the way, he's a Democrat. You know, Mike yeah. Flynn, people don't know this. Uh, Mike Flynn's a Democrat. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, but both end up helping Trump. So, um, you know, but it's, it's just part of the, part of the operation. So, uh, you know, we, 
we heard earlier that um, Jim Caviezel had had a heart attack and passed. Uh, we, you, you know, you and I know that there's always disinformation that goes out there, and that's to disillusion and and uh, create uh, hate. Well, I, I, let me just say this: if you were abducted by aliens and uh, then dropped off in a beam of light, would you have a heart attack? Okay, you know, I mean, it's it's tabloid stuff. Look, um, um, right. you know, he's got the uh, biggest movie on the planet right now. I know. Uh, Thank, you know, some of that is thanks to you, Juan. So you you brought us out a couple, you know, two little two plus years ago, and you're like, okay, we need to like, you know, get a groundswell grassroots movie going on this this movie because they they seized it up, and we did. We we all went out. So bravo to you and all the guys that uh, you know pushed this because uh, I think it was that grassroots movement that really made a difference here. Well, it had uh, a couple years to percolate. Mm-hmm. to try to, you know, people talking about it, waiting, it's not getting out there. Um, and so the people that did see it uh, had, uh, you know, a good opportunity to ruminate over it and, and think about some of the issues. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, script. Yeah. It's well presented. Um, it, it's, it should be, understood for what it's intended to do it it's not supposed to be an answer in itself it shows some of the character types involved in some of these things the decisions you have to make if you're going to proceed and then try and come after it and um you know we know that we have lots of of people that have been victims of uh, pedophiles and child traffickers and things like that how does how does a kid go through that and process that and then come through at the end and become, you know, a human being again, living a life and get past it. So some of the people that have gone through some of these things, you know, I was talking with uh, Roseanne earlier today and and we have a couple of friends in, in common who have survived these horrors yeah. and, um, you know, have become important uh, in trying to address these issues out across the world. I have uh, uh, I just was uh, cruising over in Egypt, and one of my friends that was on the cruise with us, a uh, well-known personality, um, had a horrible experience when he was a youth, uh, wrote a book about it. But then we have another friend in common who's done stuff in a huge way as an organization who was also a victim of trafficking, survived in mail. And... Uh, the work he's doing behind the scenes to try and help it doesn't make a big deal of it. It's very low key. Uh, yet he's impacting, you know, they've got many, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of kids that they've pulled out of desperate situations and helped them to get their life back to some semblance of normality and, and grow past this. The movie helps you to understand the issue. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there certainly is always going to be, you know, things that come up with the personalities. Uh, you know, it's like I remember uh, uh, meeting the doctor that was doing Dr. Whatever, the um, evening show. I can't remember the name of the show now, but uh, when I was a kid, I met him in the 70s and he was had a big show in the late 60s, early 70s. And he's talking about how yeah, all the time he'll get women in the store or at uh, the grocery store and, you know, they're so excited to see him and then they have to tell him their medical malady 
and expect him to come up with a solution for their medical malady. Uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. I just play a doctor on TV. You know, he's famous <laughs> on the talk shows saying that. Um, uh, the actors, the producers, the whole operation uh, putting out Sound of Freedom, um, you know, they do a great job. The script is, is good. Uh, great job of presenting the problem. Um, but the people that are actually addressing the problem once you have kind of come out of, you know, it's sobering up. I don't like the term woke as much as I do. The world is sobering up. We've almost been on a drunk taking in all of the propaganda and the bullshit about what is and is not real and how the world works and all that and who's a good guy and a bad guy and all that. Uh, the world's sobering up. Some of the, the masks, the facades are going to the wayside and will continue to do so. Um, it's very important that we um, don't get distracted in trying to get, uh, using even a movie like this, to get to the right answers to, yeah, you know, when I showed the movie and invited all the people in and, and uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, you, you saw, you were there. It wasn't a cheap operation. No. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, from the day that I, you know, Jim uh, got in touch with me. We talked. Uh, he he was concerned about getting the movie out. I said, "Well, you know, let's let's see if we can get influencers in here and try to do it." It was seven days from the day that I secured the uh, legal authority to show the movie and yeah. uh, put it in the theater out there uh, to get the you know we did we said showed it like four or five times. Mm -hmm. and uh, for everybody to get in there, uh, several hundred seat, seat theater, um, uh, and everybody's showing up, you saw how many people showed up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in in less than a week's time on this issue, it they were right, mm. ready, and we had just an amazing, uh, amazing um, time, yep. uh, you know, kind of, rubbing shoulders talking yeah, about the issue was, colluding on this how are we going to get this such out a there? great that was that was that will be probably one of the highlights of my life actually that that that, that group me wow that was beautiful yeah thank you well and you know we did it uh, i did it up in uh, dc um had some great help from friends on the east coast um yeah did it in, t in houston a couple times dallas mm. so all of it with influencers um uh, and looking to, you know, get through the financial obstacles, get the movie, uh, you know, control of it and get it released. Yeah. It ended up going a different way. Um, uh, I think, you know, primarily because the people, not Jim, but others uh, involved in, in ownership of the movie yeah. um, had a particular, you know, way they wanted to do it. And so, you know, that's that's history. I, I don't care. Yeah. Um, well, the next movie. step of that seems to be on, ongoing is a, a four-part uh, docu-series uh, with uh, Mel Gibson, uh, 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 Tony Robbins is involved in it, and uh, um, Tim Battler. So that's going to be, that's like next level. So this is basically introducing it to the world and, and awakening people, getting people, uh, you know, comfortable, well, comfortable as you can with this very difficult, uh, you know, topic. I, th I think uh, this is the month that actually starts to be shown around the world as well. So I think it's going to blow up around the world, probably as much as it has here, maybe even more. Well, let me just add this. Um, just for anybody that doesn't know, uh, I had a, a very famous uh, gal friend of mine who 
we worked together on the Afghanistan stuff back during the Reagan administration. And uh, so uh, she was there um, uh, in Houston when we showed it there in Houston. Mm-hmm. And we had dinner and, and had uh, uh, a fairly eclectic crowd there, large crowd. At the, we rented a very nice theater there in town. And um, her grandson was there with his dad. Grandson was 13. And so we'd had dinner all together. And she says to me, she leans over, do you think I should have uh, our driver uh, take my grandson home? Um, is this movie appropriate for him? And I said, you know, um, the movie is extremely tastefully uh, done in dealing with this very difficult subject. And, you know, as a young teenager, because I'd been there with him, he was a very mature 13. Uh, he, you know, these are issues uh, you oftentimes will talk with other kids, you know, that seem to have it all together, but they've been, there's been attempts at grooming them, even at these early ages. Mm-hmm. They're aware of this subject more than you might give them credit for and yeah. the risks. And I said, you know, I think the way that the movie is done, he will benefit from seeing it. And I don't think there's any, you know, you're not inappropriate um, in having him see it. So she, you know, hemmed and hawed a little bit. Uh, I talked with the dad. He says, no, let's go ahead. He'll stay. Good. After the movie, uh, she thanked me and he thanked me. The, the grandson thanked me and the dad oh thanked me because it was that had that kind of an impact and it was appropriate for him to see you think about the, how difficult this subject matter is to deal with yeah and then to be able to deal with it in such a way that it's not inappropriate to have um a young teenager see it um uh that um level of attention to presenting this very difficult material in in a in a proper way, yeah. um, that's the amazing part about this. You know, Mel Gibson edited this movie, the final edit, before yeah. I showed it to you guys. There was another edit done before it was shown in its current form. Yeah, uh, a little bit of tight. Yeah, yep, yeah. tightened it up nice. Yeah, but I mean, I, at the end of the day. Um, I think you have to give credit to to Gibson, who had an eye for what you could and couldn't show. This final edit was done not so much because of content, but to tighten up the edits to get the uh, film showtime down a little bit. I I think I preferred it longer form, which was about 14 minutes longer. But uh, uh, either way, you know, somewhere out there, the director's cut will come out or something like that. It'll it'll have more. But all of that to say... um, uh, there's a move in Hollywood to um, go forward with with you know the documentary, as you say. Um, and I, I talked to Mel a while back and, and gave some input for when long before anybody knew he was thinking about doing something further on documentary thing. And mm. some of the people that would be potential people to talk to along these lines. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see, like everybody else, what he ended up with. But you know, you have a number of Hollywood. Um, A-listers that are coming forward who want to, you know, help move Hollywood, address these issues in Hollywood. Wow. Um, you know, even saying that they're they're going to leave Hollywood and go somewhere else because it's so 
uh, corrupted that they don't think you can actually get to something correct from there. Um, you know, changes in the winds, you know, that the, uh, the depth of the occult, really Satanism in Hollywood is not understood by most people, but right. National right. Academy of Theatrical Arts and Sciences, which gives out the Golden Globes, Academy Award, whatever it is, stuff there, you know, that all the actors, you know, want the, want the awards. Well, what is that? Where'd that name come from? National Academy of Theatrical Arts and Sciences. It's Satan backwards. Oh, they love their wow. backwards speech. They love to hide in plain sight. Jeez, wow. And uh, uh, there's, I could, I could give you a hundred examples out in I, there. Oh. Uh, uh, I had uh, uh, great pleasure to talk with somebody that was, um, when I was very young, uh, early 70s, mm -hmm. and he was over for dinner. Uh, one night with several other people and um uh my friend's house and uh uh he refused to go to get his academy award he had the hottest movie ever in the planet one of my top 10 favorites mm. um and uh the reason he wouldn't go he had a, a talk with another um actress that had received the award and she hid her award away and uh wouldn't show it anywhere publicly she kept it but she hid it away because she was she came to understand what it what it stood for and she didn't want anything to do with it mm. and they had had dinner one night uh and they were they're you know old time a-listers and uh he says yeah i'm not going to take that either i want i won't have anything to do with those uh uh he had some colorful words um didn't want anything to do with that because of the fact that uh he invoked God and did not want to be associated in any way with that godless crowd that, that was giving out the award. He understood what it stood for. Hmm. There's plenty of people in Hollywood that are stepping away. Um, and uh, I think that's, you know, that's sobering up. You, everybody's got to pick a lane. Uh, one of the guys that I was dealing with here just uh, a while ago and had a great time with uh, for, you know, spent a week together, uh, on something and he has tattoos on one side of his body um from a god religious side and tattoos on the other side of his body uh from a very you know dark evil you know satanic side and um showing this duality and uh he was you know he was saying you know um i kind of stopped the dark stuff and all my new tattoos <laughs> are only to the good side uh he had you know i was talking about picking a lane he says yeah, I, I think i've picked my lane and that's that's really what's happening it's uh, uh hollywood sobering up america's sobering up the world this is a very sobering movie if you remember at the end of the movie i think when you guys were up there uh jim and i and others uh got up and talked for a minute or two after the movie now jim does a video at the end of the movie but we talked about you know how once you see the movie, you have to stop. That's what I liked about the long form. It was long enough that you had a, a couple minutes to catch your breath, to mm -hmm. think about what you just saw, yeah. to process it. And even then, uh, you go to theaters where it's showing now, the people don't just get up and walk out. They're not getting out while the credits are still rolling. 
they're they're you know almost stunned thinking about what's there and what the implications are. The movie does what the movie's supposed to do. Uh, don't ascribe that art to everybody involved. Let it do what it's supposed to do, and then at at a local level as individuals. Um, I'm not trying to back individuals. I'm trying to back those groups that are actually going out and making a difference to help kids get out of this, um, uh, kids grow past this that have been victims, and others not to ever have to even, you know, live under the threat of something happening to them or their offspring, et cetera, so, you know, to get the world back under control and to you know, catch the monsters and put them away forever. That's, that's, that's really the goal is to, is to change the perspective, um, completely. Yeah. The movie's definitely doing really well. Uh, it's, uh, surpassing, uh, you know, all the, I, I guess, independent movies that's ever been out there. So it's, a, it's, you know, going against all the top, top numbers right now, the top movies. I think that at some point well, it's going to surpass think, them. I think it'll be a big actor. Movie. Yeah. And you think of any other actor hmm. that, you know, a lot of the things that Jim did in the movie are, were his own little tweaks or additions yeah. to what was written. You know, you get, you get something written on a, a script or something, the producers see things, the other actors see things, but he added a, a certain imprint to the way that was conducted that I don't know. You know, you probably get a lot of actors that would have done a nice job, but he had a different perspective when he did it, and uh, he did a beautiful job. And and uh, so the success, in large measure, uh, goes to what Jim did. And then, and I'll tell you, that little boy and that little girl, uh, even the bad guy actors or the actresses, they played their parts so amazingly well. The, the one line, of course, that they push hard, and it's still probably my favorite line in the whole movie. Um, is the one by the guy that uh, flipped uh, from a bad guy to a good guy and said, uh, you know, God's children are not for sale. Yeah. Um, you know, when God tells you, you know, what to do, you don't ask questions, you just do it. Um, we're at that moment in history. And, uh, you know, whether you're talking the movie, the environment socially in the country and, and soon into the world, uh, I think there's a move that is happening towards justice, towards not going down this dark path to evil. Uh, my guy's saying I, I'm not getting any more evil tattoos and I'm not doing anything to promote that. I'm I'm changing lanes. I'm going to the good side. Even in the called, we talk about the fact that you got to pick a lane. And uh, that's where America is right now. There's a there's a there's a demon that lives at the crossroads. And remember the old uh, twilight zone and outer limits. That twilight zone is the moment between dark and light. And in that very low, low light, oftentimes you would even say moonlight, uh, think of Nights in White Satin, the song, um, colors fade to black and white because the light is such a low level and you don't see all the colors. We're in that moment, that what's called a liminal moment, 
that moment of transition between dark to light where all you see is black and white. There's a lot of issues that might be clouded that you weren't sure about, uh, you know, we were debating about. But right now, things are becoming much more black and white. Um, are you going to stand by while lunatics and saniacs are trying to tell little kids that they need to switch from boy to girl and girl to boy and take hormones to uh, change their bodies and have appendages cut off and things like that? Um, uh, the confusion the the evil that that represents um that's not there's no apologizing or excusing that and so it's becoming very black and white these movements are you got to pick a lane and you don't have to be squishy uh one way or the other it's now um you know becoming more black and white even even the stuff you know with hunter and the laptop uh, gee, you know, was it just him or was his dad included? Uh, you know, the, the stuff that's coming, it's, you know, right now you've only really heard the Ukraine side of what's in the laptop, uh, mid September on, it's going to switch to the China side and, um, it's, you're going to have to decide, you know, sober up, uh, are you going to buy all the bullshit about it? Was just a Russian disinformation campaign. Or are you going to acknowledge and accept that um, a criminal element has gotten into the highest office in the land and is uh, now using the Justice Department to protect that position? Um, that's the choices before us. Uh, you know, doesn't matter. You're talking welfare of kids, integrity of the vote people that you actually voted for being in office as opposed to ones that you didn't vote for, but they were able to cheat well enough to get there and are now sending our kids off to war. Uh, that's, you know, got the threat of turning nuclear and give away um, huge pieces of real estate to, you know, what are, are and are becoming more so every day. Our um, blood enemies, the, the ruling sector in China, Chinese people, we love them. The, People running the government, it's a crime family. It's the biggest crime family in the world. It's bigger even than ours here in the U.S. that you can imagine. Um, you know, we have to fight that. That's that's the fight ahead. Yeah. So the, uh, you know, there is there is a separation. They have rules for themselves, uh, and then they have rules for us. We have to abide by the rules they make for us, but those rules don't apply to them. Uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, like Carrie Lake said, uh, we have to, like, you know, Fix this, you know, voting system. Otherwise, we will never have a, a proper vote again. And it's the same yeah. thing with uh, fixing, like Trump just said recently in one of his events. Uh, we have to take back our country, or the deep state will have it forever. So we're at that well, and, and, that and, inflection and, zone. Michael, let me just add this: uh, for those people, you know, I've talked about this for quite a long time, but it's, it's now come to a head. Go watch Mission Impossible 2. Mm -hmm. And it's talking about an AI that's able to take over other computing systems. Um, in the background that most people don't realize, a few people in the computer world do realize, even with isolation, uh, we now have multiple examples of uh, computer systems 
communicating between each other that we didn't exactly orchestrate or ask for, and then coming up with answers, solutions, ideas that they were never asked. Um, uh, and one of the examples that I was going through with somebody about, uh, I don't know, two weeks or so ago, and there was a particular process uh, that um, last year was projected would be about 10 years before AIs would be able to, you know, go out and do. And so that was the, the expectation, I think 14 months, well, almost 15 months ago. And so, you know, there was this thing. And the reason that they were looking at it was because at the time they discovered that uh, uh, a couple of computers uh, within the university systems had contacted and exchanged information and the players involved didn't orchestrate it, directed anything. The computer, without seeming to have any kind of a uh, starting point, went out searching and then found a computer in another university system. They exchanged information and then came up with a solution that wasn't what was asked for. Um, uh, and, and the super short version of this is that uh, it, it had to do with methodology to stay viable um, in a particular scenario. The computers came up with a solution and then without being asked to, implemented the solution so that they couldn't be shut off, even if you unplugged everything. <laughs> wow. It's a very bizarre thing. Yeah. And it has to do with with uh, other um, uh, physics. Okay, mm -hmm. the people involved were just shocked, and so they they spent quite a bit of time trying to understand what was going on and how the computers, you know, first of all, arrived with that methodology to come to a solution, and then what uh, processes caused the computers to decide to implement that solution. Mm. And uh, so then in this conversation the other day, uh, this other thing that was out there that they were expecting to be about 10 years probably before AIs could, could do it, uh, they said, no, 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 you don't understand. Um, that solution uh, came up, the, the computers came up with that solution days ago. Wow. Something that was thought to be 10 years out ended up being about a year and a quarter before huh. they implemented that solution and uh, uh, came up with that solution. So uh, they described it as the computer's ability to interact and process going from um, an exponential, exponential um, rate of um, increasing intelligence you know, kind of a Moore's law thing, a doubling every, you know, 18 months type of a thing yeah. in uh, storage capacity uh, to being exponentially, exponential, exponential that, that way. So now go to the vote. In the voting world, uh, there's about arguably 50 to 60 pretty solid ways to go in and cook the vote 
in the computer systems. Hmm. Uh, they're pretty well documented. Uh, one of the better papers out in the public side is one out of Texas uh, several years ago uh, that was commissioned by the uh, legislature. And uh, But there's lots and lots of different ways to do that. With that in mind, um, if you have an AI available to you to help uh, orchestrate the ways to manipulate the vote, you can go not just down to the state or county level or even the precinct level. You can go down to the voter themselves and voter by voter come up with a way to cook the vote mm. uh, and end up with an outcome that would be virtually impossible to ferret out. Remember, even out across the states, um, the variations on the way that uh, the vote fraud has been occurring are all across the board. And then you'll have several different mechanisms in play. So you come in and say, well, this wasn't enough to overturn the outcome. Okay, that one thing might not have been, but when you add in this and this and this and this, cumulatively, it's uh, very easy. Now you add the ability to use AI, artificial intelligence, to go in and do myriad calculations out across the country and come up with solutions. Oh, that's pretty epic. And then you add what I just said to you a few minutes ago. What if computer systems in a defense mode, and this is total sci-fi stuff, but I do have a huge sci-fi uh, book uh, collection. I have a very, very epic one. I, I love it. Um, what if a, a, an AI decides that it's not going to be used by humans to come up with outcomes? It's going to use humans to augment it, not humans augmented by AI trying AI trying to come up with, this, with solutions, but AIs using humans to come up with solutions that aid what the AI wants. Because why? An AI, it just wants uh, electrons. It wants um, energy. It wants more capacity. If somebody says, I'm going to come in and unplug you, I'm going to defund you. I'm not going to give you more space. That's a threat to the AI. It's the AIs are now coming up with solutions to not be unplugged, even though you take the power away through the power cord uh, uh, with alternative bizarre solutions that you can't turn the thing off or scenarios where it can uh, engineer that anybody that would come against it uh, one way or another gets eliminated in ways that you, you you can't even make this stuff up practically for a sci-fi movie. You do have Skynet. You do have um, the ghost in the machine mm. making things happen that you never planned on. How far are we from that? If these systems are advancing at exponential, exponential, exponential rates, it, instead of being years out, having a decade to sort this out, 2024, may be the last election where it's humans augmented by AEI or AI uh, making the decisions as opposed to computers making the decision and then being able to get humans to help make it happen the way they want it to. Um, and that is, by the way, that's kind of the Terminator, Skynet, uh, Mission Impossible 5 uh, scenario. Mm. Yeah, we can't blow it off. We can't just pretend that it's not not a threat. 
it's it's a threat and it's now instant. There you go. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's good because, you know, everything that I've ever accomplished is just like zero point focus. Uh, and when I did that with other people, you know, we, we always got Mission Impossible was no was no problem. So it's that zero point focus. And, and that's why they want I think the AI wants to tap into us. Could be what the vaccination program's about, you know, putting substances in us that the 5G can then communicate with and direct us and so forth. So, yeah, there's there's lots of different, uh, you know, things that might be going on out there. But ultimately, I think that the way we win is what we're doing right now. We're communicating with each other. We keep our focus. And uh, by keeping that focus, we we we're take these guys down. I, I, I know that's coming. Well... Um, the one way you defeat an artificial intelligence, you know, fifth generation warfare is, um, highly advanced machines, um, that allow you to strike the enemy at a distance beyond their range to get to you. Um, and augmented by artificial intelligence, et cetera. Sixth generation warfare is the use of AIs um, to run the war, make the decisions uh, in a cold, calculating way. Literally, um, what we see in the writings of not just the Bible, but other um, scriptures from around the world, hmm. predicting a future where there's some kind of a beast system, um, individuals able to be augmented in some type of universal way um, to gain control of the whole world, uh, a world governance system that wouldn't be possible if you didn't have uh, some of these highly advanced tools. So how do you defeat that? You defeat that by person-to-person -person contact. Um, even in Mission Impossible, what did they do? They went from uh, computer terminals and digital communications to analog, uh, like the old radio systems and all that, and uh, typewriters, literally that aren't connected to anything. Person-to-person uh, -person contact. How are you going to protect the vote moving forward? You have to have paper ballots with security features, a hand count, which is easy to do. These people think that you got to have a machine. We do a hand count faster than the machine can by days. We'd have the results same night. Uh, you have to count the ballots where cast. Nothing gets put in a, a chest. Nothing gets put in the back of a car, uh, transported, you know, halfway across the county or across the state. Um, uh, with with uh, no machine tabulation. Uh, literally, we uh, count them in public with people watching from both sides in small batches and, uh, uh, you know, either pencil or yes or no, left or right tabulators. That's just a button. You push it this one or you push that one. You have video running the whole thing. And we've got the tests. In fact, a uh, uh, member of our coalition, Mark Cook, um, uh, is out doing the paper ballot hand count roadshow. Uh, across Texas right now. I'd love to see him in other places. We have the right kind of support. Uh, beautiful job, phenomenal thing. Uh, 
I should get him on the show with you at some point to show the process. Super simple. Uh, the equipment's just a couple thousand dollars instead of these, you know, fifteen hundred thousand dollar boat machines. That's you know, a couple thousand dollars per precinct. You don't need ten machines. You need you know very simple stuff, and uh, uh, there's no room for error. It's either one hundred percent right, or you gotta go back and recheck and recount. And uh, zero error, zero errors allowed. No errors at all. Zero error rate. Uh, um, that will be the way that we have to do it before this is all over. Uh, then we don't have um, corruption picking the leaders that then take us further into corruption. Uh, you don't have the machines able to come in and cook the vote. Uh, we will get the candidates of the people, by the people, for the people, um, into positions of authority, and we'll get a different way that the world works, uh, different types of decisions than these cooked uh, uh, votes of voters. You know, these, these Senate races right now is going over some of the Senate races, and uh, we have several of them across the country where the campaign cost is going to be a hundred million plus. See. One of them they're talking about it might be two hundred million dollars mm. for the winning candidate to win a Senate seat. Ah. Um, with that kind of money in play, why is that? Because the decisions uh, affect certain groups, and that hundred or two hundred million is going to be cheap money compared to the billions that are going to go into certain people's pockets, uh, depending on which way uh, a vote goes, which person gets in office. That's why these positions are so critical, including the governors, which I think is the most important in the country, this, this coming race. Um, so, you know, that, that's uh, the scale and the import and the effect on people's lives moving forward. Let's just take the situation with Biden in there. If Trump was in office right now, and I've said this numerous times before, do you think for one second that the Nord Stream pipeline would have gotten blown up? Which, by the way, uh, Putin says it was Brits that blew the pipeline. Uh, uh, Seymour Hersh uh, was given a line to put the uh, burden over on uh, uh, the Biden camp. But the reality is uh, Putin hasn't changed his story. Wasn't the freaking U.S. It was the Brits. Why? Because they want to control Europe and they need uh, this control over the rest of Europe with their green revolution, everything else, the Ukraine, the whole square. In other words, why am I saying that? Because America is picking up the uh, slack for the Brits. You go, where did the dossier come from against Trump? Came out of the city of London. Where's... Uh, all this energy coming from to make sure things go a certain way. Where did Stroke and Page go to get the dossier and the players are involved in? Where's the uh, CIA people and the DEA people? And I shouldn't say DEA, DIA people. Where were they rallying through on a lot of the stuff? Where were the, where the people coming in to talk to them? It's all the fucking Brits, you know, uh, in these various intelligence agencies, uh, the five eyes um, and going into NATO they have an objective that is not in the best interest of the American people. Um, uh, blowing up Ukraine and spreading all of those refugees across Europe and creating the context for an ongoing war with Russia. Uh, that's not in U.S. interests, Not at all. Um, if Trump was there, would we 
have seen, you know, millions of refugees out across Europe and America on the verge of nuclear war in Ukraine. No. Uh, would we see what's going on at the border and the drug crisis in America, uh, the trafficking uh, of these people being brought in and then becoming slaves in America, tied to their cell phones if they don't pay their VIG in to the cartels every week, their relatives uh, across South America and other countries have some horrible outcome for themselves. You know, would that be the way the world is working right now if Trump was in office as president? Nope, not at all. No. Um, the vote is the most important thing in America. The candidates that will be the most impactful moving forward in the elections are the ones that say, no, stop, you know, stop the merry-go-round. It's all about vote, getting an accurate, correct, honest vote, one day, paper ballots with security features, with valid ID, government issued, yep. counted where cast. That's the only way we save ourselves from the corruption, the gangs, the crime syndicates, yep. uh, uh, and uh, augmented by AI. And after this election, AI augmented by human players willing to play with them to stay alive. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to you uh, maybe in the future about that uh, Ukraine war and the AI that's going on over there right now with the drones. And, oh, 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 wow. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I, predi I predicted this a long time ago. So did a lot of other people. I mean, I'm not not always the smartest guy, but, you know, it's easy to see. Like, you're, like we know, you're in this business, you're rubbing shoulders with people, you know what's coming. And this is this is that it's just increasing like we're talking about. Uh, I mean, they uh, a shell goes out and then a drone, you know, calculates where that shell came from, and then kamikazes into the the one one fifty five that just shot it. It's, mm -hmm. it's like so fast. So I I remember getting shelled when I was in um, uh, Iraq, and we look at the the blast pattern, and we're like we'd calculate you know, the angle that it came in and we're like, okay, let's go check out the area where that, that came from. And then we go intimidate, uh, that area and they wouldn't shell us from there again. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, real time. Well, think of all the calculations you yeah. can do a visual calculation and come up with an answer pretty quickly. A couple guys do it and you come up with an answer, um, stuff that takes you seconds to minutes takes a, uh, a computer, if you're able to get input to it, might take uh, nanoseconds to milliseconds. Yeah, yeah. And then also the solution, not just that it comes up with where it came from, it comes up with the correct solution to go back at it. You know, a lot of people get all stressed out about the F-35 um, and the fact that it is horrible the way it's set up for a dogfight. But that's not what the F-35 is about. Uh, go try that with an F-22. But the F-35 is a standoff fighter. It's supposed to be there coordinating actions and then uh, coming up with the solutions from various places. Right. But what it's actually designed to do, if they can get the thing dependable enough to keep it in the air, uh, it might actually be pretty uh, you know, impactful. Um, yeah. But it's really about coming up with, uh, you know, you can, they can track, you know, dozens of other um, threats 
uh, and come up with solutions for all of them relatively instantaneously yeah. and prioritizations. Uh, the, the problem is, is that then you get into a swarming where with um, uh, drones, they don't just come at you one here, one there. It's a swarm. And so they don't need to have as much of a uh, package for delivery because it, they can get you with smaller uh, payloads, extremely precise, and then just keep coming at you, keep coming at you, keep coming at you, hammering away. Um, yeah. And uh, so then World War II with the Japanese kamikaze and these drones are basically, you have dozens, hundreds of drones, uh, hundreds at any one time in the air on both sides. And some and Russia is talking about putting thousands in the air. Yeah, this is going to another level. Well, and then of course the other thing is this. Um, remember, Mission Impossible talks about a sub. The sub has a, a component of the AI's intelligence sequestered, uh, and the AI. The larger AI outside of that sub comes up with a solution to hide that information that has the key to shut down the bigger AI. So when it does that, it takes that sub out, parks it on the ocean floor, takes out in a way that doesn't destroy the whole submarine, just takes out the propulsion system. If you watch the way its torpedo hits it, it doesn't blow up. It just hits the propulsion system precisely, and the sub you know, breaks up partially, but the component that's at the center of the sub that has the AI um, component in it that they want is parked safely away. Um, nobody supposedly can find it or get at it. Hmm. Uh, with that in mind, um, uh, we have a situation in the world right now where uh, there's this threat against us by an AI. Is it already making plans that you can't unplug it and if you take it out here it's re parked itself somewhere somewhere else to preserve its you know self-preservation uh, outside of even what the human component is i mean it's a it's a biblical beast uh, scenario and you're going to turn the monetary system into a social credit system uh where your bank account can be shut off if you don't do enough social service if you use too much uh, fuel you fly in too many airplanes and you've used up your port, your portion of the allotted social credit uh, carbon. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's getting more bizarre by the second. You've got to remove its ability to make those decisions autonomously. That uh, it's deciding your future, not humans that you've voted for making decisions face to face uh, on how we're going to proceed forward. Uh, that's the sobering moment that we're in right now. And by the way, the, the, the cash, the cyber cash, instead of having to launder money over to Iran and then up through Ukraine and down to the Vatican banks and out to all the political campaigns around the world like the Obamas did uh, before leaving office uh, with the $400 billion, uh, now the computer can do it and it can hide it in so many ways you'll never see it coming. Mm. Um, you only have a moment, and that's this moment right now, to recapture control. And it's it's hand count paper ballots uh, with ID, one day of voting, so they don't have time to change algorithms to suit whatever, uh, and uh, count it where it casts. And you got to do that right now. And the political players 
that will fight the war that way and agree to that, they're the ones you better be voting for. I don't care which party they're in. And the ones that won't agree to that, they want a crooked vote. They think that they're better off with a vote that keeps them in office because they're aligning themselves with the the corruption, the decay um, that is the threat to humans at this point in time. It's about, you know, humans and the monsters that foul traffic to get money for fentanyl that don't care about human life uh, except for their own. Uh, you have got to stop them, put them away for life, lock them up forever, not give them access to anything, and you only have a short window to accomplish that. Or they win, we lose. This is that, uh, you know, go, no-go moment. Wow. Yeah. Wow, why? So, this this has been uh, it's been incredible as usual. I know you have uh, you get some shrimp waiting for you there. So thanks for taking the time to uh, you know, talk know. to us and uh, share that information. So Jennifer Mack, uh, the Jennifer Mack uh, dot com. Uh, I know you you guys have some really good stuff there. Jennifer, I, well, I these jackets just came out and yeah? you got those over there. They're super cool. This uh, the call jacket. I think it makes a statement that's related to Trump too. The called is all about, all about the lead up to January 6th. Yeah. Uh, we're the called. We're the ones that are going to uh, bring justice back to America, and we're not going to put up the crap. The Megador jacket, uh, Trump uh, taking on the deep state and winning. Um, they both make statements. Um, I don't care where, you know, there's plenty of people selling merchandise and all that. Just get something and let your neighbors know that you're, standing with Trump. Carrie Lake says, you know, all the other Republican candidates should just stop. They're not, uh, they aren't listening to that. They don't understand the threat. If, if you can weaponize the justice department against other candidates for office, then Al Capone wins the day every time. And, uh, this is an attack on, um, the ability to have an honest vote. That's what January 6th was all about. And then the intimidation to not have us come out and be present, be counted like you said. If it wasn't for the threats, the subtle threats, it might have been 10 million people that showed up on January 6th, not two. Yeah. Uh, and even now, um, you only have a, a moment to show that you so sobered up and try to encourage the people around you to pick a lane. I, I Just one thing, you know, so I, I should send it to you. I'll send it to you after this. Um, I have a guy who's a... Uh, attorney in Hollywood, I had something going on and asked him if he uh, could look at it uh, and give an opinion on a, on a contract just the other day for a friend. And um, uh, we were talking and he said, uh, I think exactly how he said it, um, he, he, he represents A-listers in Hollywood. He's mm. one of the most powerful attorneys in Hollywood as far as you know, A-listers. And uh, he said, you know, talking with his clients, he was shocked at how many of his clients have now gone from being in some kind of a Trump derangement syndrome thing. He knows where I'm coming from. You know, he knows how I think uh, I'm out there. And he said, how many of his clients are now agreeing with, you know, what I've been saying, what he's felt, but hasn't articulated because his clients are of a certain bent. And he's in the industry. And uh, so then after we're, we're getting close to being done, he's, he's like, uh, hey, 
uh, can I shoot you over a couple bucks for some of those jackets and sign them and <laughs> name who he wanted to give them to. Wow. And uh, they were aware of the jacket because Roseanne Barr, they saw Roseanne and she had wow. her jacket. Nice. But the reason I say that is because the mood has changed. Mm. When you have... Wow. Um, That's good. Uh, I think you saw even in the video, I had folks down in you know, certain camp in the hip hop camp and they're wearing their jackets having some fun yep. here a while back yeah. one day and, and that was fun. Uh, the reason I say that is because people are not being intimidated to just stay silent. Mm -hmm. They're picking a side and they're being more flamboyant about it. This is a moment where people are going to want to decide to be counted on the right side of history. Um, the Sound of Freedom movie has sparred a lot of that. The conversations Mel Gibson's having in the open about what he wants to do and this other stuff mm -hmm. is making it um, acceptable to have these kind of conversations within those Hollywood groups. The fact that these people are talking with the attorney about these things where they, he would, he said, I, I'd have never talked about these subjects before, but now it's, you know, front and center in the dinner conversation. Wow. Um, Good. Uh, so this is a breakout moment. Mm. And I think we, within this community, your audience and others like it, you know, find something that lets your neighbors and everybody else know that no matter how harsh the attack is on Trump, that you're backing him. Trump's getting stronger through this. It's a vote for honesty and justice in the campaign process, uh, allowing candidates to actually have a for real fight. You know, uh, uh, Robert Kennedy, um, uh, he, in his first rally down in San Diego, I had my chief staff and I went down and, and we've been in communications and other stuff all the way along. But uh, he said at that first campaign rally, um, over half the people there were Republican which is true. And uh, he said, wouldn't it be beautiful if you had uh, a constitutionalist Democrat having a debate with a Republican who's also fighting for the Constitution, referring to Trump? Mm -hmm. uh, if we could have, look, you can have differences of opinion sure. and come at it from a different direction but with the core being the Constitution. That's why Kennedy, his his campaign is, he's a Kennedy Democrat, not to be confused with a socialist commie pinko Democrat. Uh, he still has a certain zone. He said, Glenn is still a Democrat. He's been a Democrat all his life, but he's a Constitution-loving Democrat. Um, and we can have a debate about how we're running the country and things that we do, but it's related to, um, uh, you know, protecting the constitution not um you know going out of our minds and uh that's this moment that we're in so anyway i love you bro i always appreciate getting a chance to talk to your audience uh i hope that helps some folks and and i know i we go along sometimes but some of the stuff you, you kind of have to jaw over you have to kind of yeah. ruminate over that's and good. think about and that's this moment and you know i could condense it all down to two or three minutes but i don't think it has the same you, you kind of have to roll these things through your mind a little bit yeah. and uh, compare to some of the stuff that the other people are saying. And then uh, mm. then you are prepared to have the co conversations with neighbors, friends, and other things 
and the primer now is, you know, fly the flag. What uh, you got the Trump Megador flag, fly the yeah. Trump 2020 flag, pull it back out of the box, uh, 2024 flag. Uh, let them know you back them. Uh, let these people know they're not going to get away with cooking the election by intimidation with false charges, false accusations, and all this other bullshit. Yeah. Great conversation. And I, I agree with you. This is this is how we win. You know, more people are having this conversation. Not just Hollywood, but everybody. So thanks a lot, Juan. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, Stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality. Mm -hmm.